All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm here in New York City, and this is the 13th day of August 2019. We do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows. I want to also encourage you to send your questions and comments along to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. Questions, the number for taylor at gmail.com. And we most certainly want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Klondike Gold, Novo Resources, Radisson Mining Resources, and Great Bear Resources are the sponsors for this week's show. I've titled today's show, Myths About Gold as an Investment Medium. James Turk, Peter Talman, and Michael Oliver are my guests this week. Mainstream investment pros are starting to buy gold to hedge their equity portfolios, but most investment pros hate gold given their training in Keynesian economics. Keynes called gold a barbaric relic because it stood in the way of the elitist socialist economists manipulating markets for their advantage against the common man. A pack of lies spread by Keynes regarding gold lies on the minds of lives on the minds of virtually everybody all investors in fact today because virtually everybody at least all college educated folks of even high school educated people have been trained in Keynesian economics what are the common fallacies about gold that can cost you dearly if you follow Keynesian economics James Turk will be with me in the second half of today's show to help clarify falsehoods about investing in gold that can cost you uh, dearly in your uh, investment portfolios. Today's down day in gold notwithstanding, this is one of the most exciting times in the junior gold mining sector that I have experienced since I started writing my newsletter back in the middle of October 1981. Current sponsors of this show, Great Bear, Klondike Gold, Novo Resources, and Radisson Mining, all have exciting prospects and projects, gold projects that they're working on, For example, last week, Klondike Gold announced one of the most spectacular gold drill intercepts I have seen in all these years. Specifically, the company intersected 1,009 grams of gold and 1,035 grams of silver over a one-meter intersection on the company's Klondike Gold Exploration Project in the famous Yukon gold fields. In 2017, Novo Gold discovered a most spectacular gold nugget field in a massive conglomerate gold project that Quentin Henning's team at Novo Resources are now developing. Last week, we spoke with Chris Taylor, the president of Great Bear Resources, on this show to update us on that company's massive high-grade Red Lake gold discovery, only to find out from Chris 
that they've made a new discovery, a new exciting discovery that could be equal to the one they've already found uh, in the Red Lake, Red Lake region of Ontario. Now, Great Bear Resources uh, entered my newsletter at 40 cents. It's currently over $4 a share. Just this morning, I received a call from Hubert Perrant Bouchard of Radisson Mining. He called to tell me that the company's current drill program has penetrated 150 meters below the high-grade section that they have uh, that or, that they've currently drilled and is in their resource uh, in their resource uh, calculations. Now, next week we expect to have core core results, at least to see the core. Whether or not we have assays next week, I'm not quite clear. But very soon we will have. And right now we are in a position and a time in the uh, exploration, the gold exploration, silver exploration sectors, when drill results really do drive the stock prices. So I've been paying a lot of attention in my newsletter now focusing on companies and trying to keep my subscribers up to date as to when the next drill results are coming out because they are really the drivers that are causing these stocks to move very dramatically. It's, as I say, one of the most exciting times I've experienced in all these years. Uh, go to miningstocks.com. You can sign up for my newsletter to keep up to date with this uh, these developments uh, on a weekly basis. Now, during the second segment of today's show, I will be playing my interview with Peter Talman. He's a geologist and the CEO of Klondike Gold. He will discuss that spectacular intercept of 1,009 grams of gold that I just mentioned. And then, as I mentioned during the uh, last segment of today's show, uh, James Turk will be with me to talk about the myths about gold as an investment that the mainstream have basically been propagating for their own, uh, for their own selfish ends, quite frankly. But right now, I'm really happy to tell you that Michael Oliver is with me once again to help us sort out the gold markets on a day when we have seen a considerable amount of volatility in the yellow metal. And um, Michael put out a report, a very interesting report today, titled Urgency Evident on the Tape, end of quote. Thanks for joining me again, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. Good to be back, and it's always good to tell our listeners it's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com, to uh, fully partake of the wisdom and the uh, and the years of experience that Michael has built up into his own proprietary products that he makes available for a very reasonable fee. Um, Michael, what about this report you put out today? You know, I normally think of you as a very dispassionate, you always are, basically. You're analytical, you don't let your emotions dictate your actions, and you make sure that your subscribers aren't being whipsawed around by emotions. Uh, share with us today, what's your thinking and why did you put out this kind of unusual report from you, urgency, evident on the tape? Well, the uh, asset categories uh, are engaging in a big way, particularly two of them, the T-bond market, uh, government, long-term government debt market, and the gold market. Uh, and they're going vertical. <laughs> they've not edged up. They've, it, it's been a, uh, an ascent that's like a missile. And the question then is, okay, well, what are they anticipating? Uh, everything's good, right? The Fed's going to cut rates. They're back in line with the ECB and BOJ, so that's good for the stock market category. And uh, now we have uh, Trump, apparently, and the Chinese government as well, probably upset by their own domestic problems uh, and wishing to solve the trade thing, at least in some manner, way, or form, where it looks like it's solved. Um, and mm-hmm. so we get good news there. So those are two big news issues that were dark, and now they're not dark, right? Okay, yeah. plus the stock oh, rally. Yeah. Okay. Well, how come it is that if T-bonds and gold, which have been going vertical, 
uh, money moving out of the stock market into those asset categories. Um, why is it they didn't get clobbered today? Yeah. Now, when I say get clobbered, gold's down $5 from yesterday's close. <laughs> yeah, it's off yeah. the high of the morning, but it's down $5, so well off the low of the day. And T-bonds are pressing more toward the upper end of the daily range than the lower end, and they're mm-hmm. hardly you know down a quarter point or so in the day. So how come it is that they aren't flinching to the downside like stocks mm-hmm. are to the upside? Yeah. They still have, they're made of steel. They're still acting like something is going on, urgent. Uh, again, if they had been rallying, uh, like uh, we, we got bullish on T-bonds back in December. They were 141 at the time. Now they're 163. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the advance from that 141 level last December to now was just a slow pace, I wouldn't make that point. But in the recent weeks, gold and T-bonds have, have literally gone vertical, and they're not giving it up despite this news today. So I'm arguing that they're anticipating something out there. And I think that something is that the stock market does finally snap, uh, especially after good news comes out. That's the best time to snap. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's hard for me to remember a major stock top that went down on dark news. Dark news always came later. Mm -hmm. It might have been bubbling below the surface, but it wasn't the headline. And our headlines have been, well, the Fed has uh, been raising rates, and now, of course, they're lowering, so that's out of the way. And the trade deal is now they're going to come up with something, I'm pretty sure, because both sides need it. Uh, And so that's out of the way. So everything's blue sky, right? Well, how come Mm -hmm. T-bonds and gold don't anticipate that Mm -hmm. uh, by doing the opposite? So I still think there's something going on there, Uh, not just the upside in the markets, but the nature of the upside. There's an urgency. Right. So my bet is the S&P's rally is uh, a fitful, another fitful rally uh, that doesn't achieve sustainability. And I've got numbers below the market that aren't all that far below that if, if they see them, they're going to go down fast. Yeah. And, they'll do and, of, course, uh, <laughs> and of course, those, those numbers are revealed to your subscribers. And uh, right. they're very, very they're, valuable, uh, I know, to, to keep track of that. Uh, Michael, with just about a minute and a half or so left here, let me ask you, uh, you know, a lot of price technicians are saying, yeah, well, you know, we need a big, we, we need a big uh, correction in gold here. It's a way overdue. What's your response to that? Well, we, we did a report on that over the weekend, and frankly, I don't see the, uh, at the current level, low 1500s, I don't see the rationale for it here when I look at our momentum studies. You get in the upper 1500s and I can maybe at that point begin to see a justification for a congestion or some kind of pullback. Nothing serious, but at least some kind of stall with a correction in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I still think gold on this big surge that began, well, on the price charts at least, began from the mid-1300s, that we're going to 1700 area before there's any serious correction. So what Uh I'm talking about in the upper 1500s is not a serious correction, but something that people might be, you know, upset by, especially if they've got time-sensitive instruments like options sure. or something like that. Sure. Uh, but I just don't well, see the technical justification. Uh, at yeah, and, yeah, and what I should uh, remind my, my listeners is that, of course, you send these reports out whenever it's urgent, whatever it's necessary to do so. So if you see some changes taking place in real time, you let your subscribers, your paid subscribers know about that. Our listeners right. here hear you once a week. People who subscribe to you are constantly being given information that's very, very valuable in terms of trading their portfolios. So I just want my, my listeners to realize that. It's OliverMSA.com, folks. Go there to learn more about Michael. And by the way, there's some free stuff and a very good uh, video there that Michael explains 
why he thinks the equity market's in big trouble. And also, uh, you learn a lot about his methodology, which is uh, really what's given me the confidence. That, along with the fact that the results have been so darn good since I've been watching and following Michael's work. Michael, thank you so much for being with us again. Always a pleasure. You're always a value here. Thank you so much. Well, folks, uh, we do have to go to break now, but don't go away. Peter Talman, Klondike Gold, will be with us to talk about that spectacular 1,009 grams of gold over one meter from Klondike's property in the Yukon. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome to the special segment of Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm here with Peter Talman to record an interview because of a press release Peter put out on behalf of Klondike Gold announcing some very high-grade gold drill results, uh, some intercepts pulled from the Nugget Zone on the company's 576-square-kilometer Klondike district-scale property uh, in the Yukon. Now, Peter was scheduled to be with me live on August 13th, but because I believe the announcement made this morning may be a game changer for the company and its shares, I felt that you should hear from Peter sooner rather than later regarding this event uh, so that uh, as much as possible we can all gain an understanding of the significance of the company's, uh, of this uh, press release in terms of the company's shares and future prospects. The drill intercept uh, that has caused me to do this special interview was a relatively shallow one-meter intercept that graded an astounding 1,035 grams per ton gold with a bit of frosting on the cake in the form of 1,035 grams of silver per ton. We don't want to overestimate the importance of this one drill intercept, but neither do we want to underestimate what it might mean for the future of the exploration of, uh, of this very, very huge mineralized system in the Yukon. And so I'm really glad to have Peter uh, with me today. He is the president and CEO and a director of Klondike Gold. Thanks for joining me, Peter. Jay, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, and it's especially a pleasure when you have uh, exciting news like the news that you announced this morning. Um, the last time that we had you on our show, um, I think you thought you had a pretty good idea of where high-grade gold was hosted on the project. You, you know, it's Over the last, what, three or four years or so, you've been studying this project. Uh, 
and getting a better idea uh, as you continue to learn more. And you had a pretty good idea based on the structural structural patterns on the project where you might find some high-grade jewelry-like uh, gold-hosted mineralization. Uh, hole 19267 is the hole that graded this astounding 1,035 grams per ton gold. Uh, and then, of course, part of that also was a two and a half gram gram intercept that was uh, that was uh, that graded four four hundred and four grams of gold and four hundred fifteen grams of silver. That was uh, you know within that of that was that one thousand thirty five gram uh, one thousand um, thirty five grams of gold. Um, you know, one drill hole we know doesn't make a mine, but how much stock should investors put in this uh, in this drill hole? Ah, well, I actually just to to recap that a bit, it's 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 a thousand and nine grams gold and a thousand thirty five grams silver over right. one meter. That that's by any definition a world class intercept. It's maybe the second best drilled of any sort, including um uh production holes in the world mm-hmm. as I'm compiling it. That I'm that's still a work in progress, but you know, from a the Olympics point of view, this this is a gold or a silver medal contender mm-hmm. for the year. So I, I'm it's it's a new discovery hole as well, which is really exciting because mm-hmm. we've been drilling the nugget zone, which as you said, we, we had begun to think could have jewelry box type mineralization. Um, and we had an idea, a structural idea of where we could go within this multi kilometer long target. To, to test it. As it turns out, I'm not actually certain that we learned anything more about the structure, but mm-hmm. we did prove definitively that this thing can have lots, it can have high grade in it anyway. Um, and, and so, whatever, the equivalent, I think it's 35 ounces of gold and 35 ounces of silver yeah. over a meter. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, the, the, important, the thing that you said, though, is like, okay, is it a one-off kind of thing? We yeah. just released nine drill holes mm-hmm. Um, of which this is clearly a phenomenal hole and the best of the lot. The, the next best is 8.9 grams over 10 meters, mm-hmm. and that's in the nugget zone, so it's not this new discovery that lies just a little bit below it. That, mm-hmm. That's the nugget zone itself. And then there was a third hole in there that ran 2 grams over 50 meters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all this drilling is in a short span. They're all very short holes. It's all near surface gold. Um, uh, over uh, a length of 200 meters. Um, and and so just looking at the shape of it, it looks like, uh, again, it's on surface. We can get in there with the backhoe if we ever get to that stage. Um, it's not out of reach of, of something. It's not super deep. It's <laughs> it's at surface. Yeah. Um, and so that has some implications for exploration here. It's only a, a tiny little postage stamp of... An enormous property where we have multiple, multiple targets of many, many kilometers of this style of mineralization. Mm-hmm. And so, I guess for for your listeners, for you, I, I'm, you know, it's been five years of geoscience and and ciphering and and accumulating the knowledge to be able to get to the point where we can drill a hole that that it 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 is an absolute fortuitous hole to hit something that high but it's a proof of concept and I know it's going to get everybody's attention Mm -hmm. 
Well, for sure. And, you know, as I look over, I believe you did a, a 12 hole, you've drilled 12 holes here on the Nugget Zone, and uh, you've reported on nine of them, is that right? And will you have the, the remaining three relatively soon? How soon do you expect them? I think I think so. It's kind of, it's become a shotgun. In point of fact, the lab flagged the the hole that with all the or the samples with the gold in it, and so we prioritize them over everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, actually, to answer your question, then I now I don't know what's in the queue in okay. terms of what's in line. Okay. All right, but anyway, the point is, is I cast my eye over the drill holes that you've got. You mentioned the three top ones, but I mean, every one of them that you put out here have mineralization in them, some of them lower grade and so forth. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to sort of get a sense when you're able to get a sense of what the what the potential mining widths might be and what the grades will be. Obviously, it's it's way too early to, to know that yet, I guess, but do you have a sense when you might be able to, I mean... W- Will you be looking to do any kind of a resource on this exciting new zone, or I know you're I know you're working on building uh, ounces in the, uh, on your project, but can you give us an idea of what the schedule might be in terms of uh, you know of building res- a resource? And also, I mean, you, you mentioned this is only 200 meters of, over a total, I believe, perhaps something like uh, potentially something like eight kilometer strike on this zone. Is that do I have, have that right? Uh, so eight kilometers is the fault zone uh-huh. or the fault that we can see. Um, we have gold mineralization in outcrop, which is the nugget zone mm-hmm. over two point two or two point five kilometers, okay. one or two. Uh-huh. Uh, and so all of that needs to be drilled. Um, we we basically spent most of our drilling on the 200 meter sections that we're reporting mm-hmm. now, so it, it's wide open with lots of gold in it. What do you expect to do next? I know you're, there are other areas that you wanted to drill this summer. Where will you be drilling next this summer? Well, we we have we have started in June or late May, and we are continuing to drill. Um, and so the drill is currently. It has moved off of Nugget, and it's on Lone Star, and that really was the investment thesis for the year. Was Lone Star has we are we are drilling for a resource on Lone Star. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're trying to do, we've drilled it over a kilometer. Uh, what we, we we need more, and so we're trying to drill one more kilometer, an extra, so to basically double the size of the mineralization uh, at Lone Star, so that we can move on towards doing a resource uh, at Lone Star. That's mm-hmm. one target. Mm-hmm. Nugget, um, in our sections, and one of the sections that's in the news release, um, or it's published with the news release today, it, it shows a big blog of mineralization. That's the Nugget Zone, and the Nugget Zone is easily drillable and estimatable mm-hmm. uh, for resources. Um, but I, I don't want to do something over 200 meters. It needs yeah. more scope. Uh, we need to go along strike. Um, so, I mean, everything. All the objective we're doing here is we're trying. We're we're drilling for exploration, but we're doing it in such a manner that it's easily incorporated into a resource estimate if we get to that stage. Yeah. And I would say it's coming sooner rather than later. How's that? I like that. Um, <laughs> with re- do you um, do you expect uh, then getting back to the Lone Star? Do you expect to be able to drill out that ex- extra kilometer this year? 
Uh, not fully. Not fully. Uh, but we're going to try. We're trying to get uh, the strike, like the furthest hole drilled that hits. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping is is a kilometer. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh. the, it, it's physically a tough area to to drill in, so it takes a, a while to develop drill pads and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least be able to say to the market. You know, we've ex- successfully extended this mineralized horizon uh, some some length, yeah. And it's and hopefully it's still open. Right. So um, that that basically gives us a whole lot of work to do next year. Well, Peter, it seems to me that everything you're drilling so far that the mineralization comes either at or very near the surface. I think that's true. You you said at Nugget, it's also true at Lone Star. Uh, so you should be able to uh, with relatively inexpensively then. Um, Actually, step out and, and give an idea of what the size of this thing might might be. I guess and um, we we can drill a lot of everything like the this one thousand. Well, all the drilling at Nugget is within seventy five meters of surface. All the drilling at Lone Star is all, all the mineralization is also within seventy five meters of surface. Um, big widths over you know broad widths anyway mm-hmm. uh, means that it's. It's really not. It's there's lots of mineralization above it, mm-hmm. um, and and it's all mineralized at surface. So mm-hmm. it, it's easy. It's quick, and we're one of the cheap. Well, actually, the cheapest explorers in cost in the Yukon, and one of the cheapest in Canada. Peter, the, um, do you do you expect these uh, these zones run to depth, knowing what you know about the geology of this project so far? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But but obviously you're you're going to go along strike now. That that's uh, would be the obvious, the obvious. Uh, well, way I mean, there's there's two things. Number one, it costs it's cheap. It costs ten thousand driller ten thousand dollars to drill a, a hundred meter hole on an angle mm-hmm. that's intersecting surface mineralization. If I step back and drill, I'd need to drill an eight hundred meter hole yeah. to get five hundred meters vertically, and that would cost one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So it's mm-hmm. you know or you know ten thousand versus one hundred and fifty thousand in cost. Mm-hmm. Also, there's the time it takes, you know, sure. whatever, five days. It, it's just not efficient. Yeah, yeah um, it doesn't make and sense. The, and the gold is at surface. Right. So I don't so need that to would, drill. No, obviously. Uh, Peter, you talked about two two different styles of mineralization on this project in the past. Earlier on, you were talking about sort of, I think, a more disseminated style that was akin to the coffee project that Goldcorp bought uh, in your backyard, actually. And then, uh, you know, as you started honing in on some of this higher-grade stuff, uh, you, you talked about the Pogo-style mineralization. Uh, has your thinking changed at all on that, on either of those uh, types of uh, mineralizations? That you know, the, Of course, it's such a large project. Again, uh, you could have more than one style of mineralization, I would think, and possibly more than one gold deposit on this, uh, uh, you know, on this a massive project. I... I, I my thinking is getting probably more refined. Uh, Lone Star looks very, very, very similar in style, at least to coffee, mm-hmm. and and the Nugget quartz vein, effectively, if you call it that, that mm-hmm. immediately sounds very, very much like Pogo. Mm-hmm. What I would say, though, is that these two. The, the two styles of mineralization are end members of the same gold min- mineralizing event, mm-hmm. and in particular this 1,000 the kilo over a meter in both gold and silver at Nugget is in a is in a 
form that's disseminated, not it's not a court scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really, really interesting because that could potentially be the link in terms of you know how to join, how to reconcile one style with the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we need, I, I don't know uh, to answer your question, yeah. but we have a lot of questions that we need to answer. And uh, we seem... I think we're really on the right track. I'm wondering if at the nugget zone with those kind of high grades, if you might not have a real nugget challenge or a challenge in terms of statistically uh, uh, appraising the resource and maybe you need to do some bulk sampling or something, possibly? Well, I would think that right now the nugget factor is our biggest business risk. Uh-huh. Um, it, it's going to be, it's definitely there. We, we are have been over the last month or so doing some kind of uh, super detailed sampling on surface uh, so you'll be hearing about that in the future uh, as to the results and but uh, physically what we can we find these quartz veins we do channel saw we, we cut them with a saw every meter and you can see lots of visible gold and the saw itself kind of smears it so it highlights it and then we drill one hole underneath it and, and appreciate that you know the diamond drill hole is only like two inches in diameter mm-hmm. and you see the quartz veins but you don't see any gold and <laughs> in many cases we don't get you know we don't get a good assay and, uh-huh. and it might be you know 100 bbb it might be a gram whatever yeah. um that's not represented the low grade isn't representative of the gold content in the quartz vein by the same token i don't think that the thousand grams over a meter is representative no. either and the answer is i have no idea really what the true grade here is mm-hmm. but we are t- trying to take steps to figure that out and bulk sampling ultimately will be I mean all roads lead there yes. yeah well it's a very exciting program I I think you're funded fully funded for the rest of this year to finance your, your program is that right uh, yes absolutely and we would still have with the budgeted amount we still have two million bucks in the kitty at the end of the year and how long can you drill up there yet how, how much longer uh, end of September and then I guess what you'll do is pull all the data together that you gather from this from this summer's program and uh, start to plan for 2020. Well, we're already ripping our hair out with the data that we've got so far. Uh-huh. We've got it. We've had a lot of it come in, and and I mean some of our previous news releases from the regional perspective have shown us. Oh, we have lots of targets to go look at, um, and how to apply all these regional information to like Nugget and what we just drilled. Um, uh, we have lidar as an example and there's mm-hmm. a structure that runs through Nugget on the LiDAR data that we've never seen before so uh-huh. there's the things that were uh, well it's challenging because we don't have an infinite staff that can, mm-hmm. can deal with this but mm-hmm. when we get a chance we peek at it and go oh, let's go here and see so it's happening while we're drilling um and then this winter will be another massive compilation, and we'll come out next year. We, you know, we have a budget for next year to begin drilling anyway, mm-hmm. um, and we'll have. I, I hope we have super good targets to test right off the bat next mm-hmm. year too. Well, I have an idea, Peter, that uh, if the market responds to this kind of news, you may be able to afford one or two assistants to help you with some of this work going forward, and and that and that might speed things up a little bit. The market might actually demand that, I would guess, uh, because you've got so much to look at, and it's very, very exciting. You know, you you were really the first geologist to systematically and, and using up-to-date technology explore this. What many thought would be the motherload of this massive placer deposit that uh, 
was discovered in the late 1800s, the Klondike Gold Placer Deposit. And um, it looks like your your hard work is starting to bear some fruit. It's really exciting. Just in wrapping up here, I'm wondering if you could give our listeners what they should be looking out for then, what drivers that might um, be important to the share price people should be paying attention to now from now on until the end of the year. Uh, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm extremely excited by the discovery. This, yeah, It's like, uh-huh. okay, this five years of effort has come through. It's, it, it is proven. We have been able to prove from the Klondike era uh, the sources of three different creeks now mm-hmm. out of the 24 major producers. So, And Nugget is the source of one of them. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, everything that we've done so far has been extremely successful. I, I actually happen to agree with your guess. The market is going to demand that we get bigger and uh, we do things faster. Uh, until now, we've been constrained by share price, like the share price would always come back in the winter when we're financing, mm-hmm. and I'm anticipating that that is not going to be the case now, and we'll be able to you know, basically raise money for next year, or whatever, who knows, and accelerate the program, which is kind of what I'm looking at right now. But you'll have some drill results coming out between now and the end of the year, and, and some other news, I'm sure, right? Uh, we have a lot. So this is only the first nine holes yeah. out of, we're going to drill about 60 uh, or 70, so there's another 60 to come. Okay. In batches, I guess, probably, right? Yes. In batches. Okay. Excellent, Peter. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to uh, update us on this very exciting press release that you put out this morning, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again when you have some more exciting news, hopefully exciting, positive news. I look forward to the news and look forward to chatting to you again. All right, Peter. All the best to you and your team. Take care. rush has begun. Recently, three of the largest gold mining companies announced strategic acquisitions in the Yukon territories. Ahead of them was a group who had already consolidated the key claims covering the historic Klondike gold rush into one company, aptly named Klondike Gold Corps. Led by a team of accomplished geoscientists, the company is steadily advancing exploration to reveal the rich source of all that gold. The hunt for the next major discovery is well underway, and Klondike Gold's shareholders are strategically positioned. Stay ahead of the majors and follow KlondikeGoldCorp.com. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQB, is a gold exploration company focused on their wholly owned Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Canada. Having recently made four major gold discoveries, GBR is now fully funded to drill 90,000 meters through to the year 2020 as part of a very active exploration program. Rob McEwen of McEwen Mining, a Red Lake veteran, is a significant shareholder following a recent $5.7 million investment. To stay up to date, visit greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm pleased to have with me once again James Turk. Uh, it seems as though when James returns to his native America from his home in England, he uh, is available, sometimes at least, to share his thoughts uh, with the listeners to this show. So I'm really pleased to have my fellow American and fellow Buckeye back here with me today. I'm guessing that most of you know James Turk, uh, but for the benefit of those who may not be familiar with him, he is the founder and lead director of Gold Money, which provides a convenient way to buy and sell gold online using the digital gold currency for which James was awarded four U.S. patents. James is a free market Austrian school advocate. As such, he understands as well as anyone why honest money in the form of gold and or silver is essential, not only for economic prosperity, but for our freedoms and individual liberties as well. And I would suggest you not only check out goldmoney.com, uh, which you can easily do, but go to another site there at, uh, at uh, Gold Money. In fact, I think it's called Gold Money Insights as one of the tabs at Gold Money uh, to read uh, the blogs, uh, the, read the ideas that James Turk provides, as well as Alistair McLeod and other commentators. Alistair, of course, is a regular guest on this show, uh, a highly valued guest, and uh, but I know you would really benefit a lot from James's uh, insights and, and other writers there as well. So, James, thank you so much for joining me again. Jay, it's always great to be with you. It's always good to have you. Uh, the rare occasion when we get a chance to talk to you, you're in uh, New England at your home in New Hampshire. Um, you know, I wish you'd stay on this side of the pond more often, but I guess you have your reasons for being over there. Um, I want to follow up with an article that I, I think you said Alistair actually wrote called Myths About Gold as an Investment Medium, um, but I know you can comment on those things as well. But I'd like to, before we get into that, I'd like to ask you just a, a couple of basic questions about gold money. It's, it's my understanding, James, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if I have a gold money holding, you call them holdings, if I have a gold money holding, I can, I can um, pay for, you know, commercial transactions or transactions with other individuals using gold. We can trade in gold as long as the other person, the other party, has a holding as well. But I can't use that holding, can I, to transact business otherwise? Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, that, yeah no, that's right. Uh, you can transact with other gold money customers. And the reason why that's the case is these days with um, various know-your-customer rules and anti-money laundering rules, we have to know that, you know, uh, we're familiar with both sides of the transaction. We know the people on both sides of the transaction. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I wanted to, uh, for subscriptions to my newsletter, and I have, if I have my subscribers that are holding have holdings in gold money, I could I could do that transaction. I could grant them a subscription in exchange for X grams of gold. Yeah, that's exactly right. Whatever the U.S. dollar amount is that you charge, uh, and the moment that they transfer gold to you, it would be done at the exact uh, market equivalent um, uh, exchange rate between gold and U.S. dollars. So I know that your your goal, your ultimate goal, I believe, is that you would like to see gold reinserted as money, that we had at least an option to use gold as money if we chose. And of course, in this way, we can do it 
with gold money holders. Uh, and I know that gold money made efforts to, to expand that in other directions. For example, I had the prepaid gold money MasterCard. Um, and it worked like a charm, frankly. I could go online, I could buy my gold, put it in a holding or in an account. And then if I needed to load my MasterCard with dollars, because that's what I have to have living in New York, I could sell the gold as much as I wanted and just transfer uh, the dollar value into the MasterCard. But then all of a sudden, um, it wasn't allowed anymore. I guess the European Union put a stop to it, James? Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, The bank that was providing it was based in the European Union, and uh, uh, the European Union put in a rule that the bank could only provide it to people who lived in the European Union. So it's uh, available now in in Euros and British Pounds, uh, as long as British Britain stays in the in the EU, uh, but uh-huh. it's not available in U.S. dollars. You think they will? You think Britain um, will stay in I the think, EU? No, I think Britain's going to leave the European Union on October 31st. Uh, there's too much at stake for uh, Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party in the U.K. to uh, not follow up on that commitment. How do you feel about it? I think Britain will do quite well as a sovereign, independent nation without taking rules from the uh, bureaucrats in Brussels, uh, you know, the whole campaign was based on uh, bring back control, you know, bring back mm-hmm. control to the EU, uh, UK mm-hmm. uh, parliament, UK courts, um, and make them UK free to do trade deals around the world, including other Commonwealth countries. They were at a disadvantage in being in the EU. So I think mm-hmm. they're going to uh, do quite well outside of the EU. There might be a hiccup for a couple of days or a couple of months, or you know, um, but I don't think it's going to be a big deal. My guess is it's going to be sort of like uh, you remember Y two K. Yeah, everybody's computers were going to collapse. Yeah, <laughs> it, it may be a little bit more difficult than that, but it's not going to be long lasting impact. And I think Britain will do quite well as an independent sovereign nation, which it has been for you know hundreds of years in yeah. that role. For sure. Well, getting back to the gold money issue, uh, you've, you're quite a visionary. I mean, you've, as we mentioned, you have four patents to use gold as money on the Internet. Um, what are your thoughts about, you know, some people are trying to use cryptocurrencies, attach or somehow connect gold to cryptocurrencies. Do you think something like that is possible? Might it happen anytime soon? Well, you know, I've, I think we've had these discussions on cryptocurrencies before, and I've been sort of hot and cold on them over the uh, over the years. I've been following it since the first uh, transaction with 7,000 bitcoins that were used to buy a slice of pizza back in 2008, <laughs> as I remember it. Um, but, yeah, you know, the two are really complementary, uh, Jay, um, in, in the sense that the advantages of gold are that you can hold it in your hand. You can't do mm-hmm. that with a cryptocurrency. Another advantage of gold is that once it's mined, it's mined forever. You know, cryptocurrencies, you're constantly spending uh, large amounts of electricity to keep those things current. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what happens if there's a, a blip in the electric grid and things of that nature? Yeah. So those right. are the disadvantages of cryptocurrencies. The advantage of cryptocurrency is um, that it can't be confiscated, at least based on t- today's technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we know from history, gold has been confiscated by governments mm-hmm. in the past. So, why, which is why in gold money, we give our customers the opportunity to store their gold in several different countries and 13 different vaults around the world in order mm-hmm. to get uh, geographic diversification and political diversification. Mm-hmm. But the, the bottom line on cryptocurrencies, Jay, is that I, I, I'm... I'm actually, you know, encouraged that what they're doing, they're educating people. 
remember, cryptocurrencies are called cryptocurrencies. They're not called crypto money. Uh, Uh Money is a tangible asset uh, like gold or silver. Uh Um, And we have to distinguish between money on the one hand and currencies on the other. And what uh-huh. cryptocurrencies are doing are educating people to lead to come to the conclusion that there's a, a better form of currency out there, which is digital gold currency, and a better form of the best form of money is actually gold. All right, those uh, some some very good insights there, of course, and thank you for sharing those. Now I'd like to go on to this notion of. Um, uh, the, the notion that people just don't really understand what money is and the myths that uh, Alistair wrote about, and maybe you can comment on some of these. I'll just name, uh, we'll do as many as we have time here. I think we might have time to cover all seven of them or eight of them. Uh, one is okay, that gold... Let's start, it, yeah, let's ahead. the first one about you know, whether yeah. gold is money or not. Yeah, gold is money. Gold is no longer money, they're telling us, when we take our uh, Economics 101 courses. What well, about it's that? It's still money, Jay. It's still money. It just may not circulate that much in currency as currency anymore. It's money because it's useful in economic calculation. Uh, an ounce of gold today buys the same amount of crude oil it did 70 years ago. Uh, an ounce of gold today buys a man's suit. An ounce of gold in ancient Roman times bought a senator, a Roman senator, his toga. So mm-hmm. you, know, you can measure the price of goods and services in terms of gold, and that's one of the reasons why it's money. The other reason why it's money is it's money you own. Uh, all of the other things today that are circulating that purport to be money are based on someone or something. You know, cryptocurrencies are based on a mathematical formula. Uh, fiat currencies are based on some bank's promise. But mm-hmm. uh, gold is based on the fact that it's a tangible asset and has served as the role of money for 5,000 years. So gold is money, which is actually brings up an important point, Jay, because a lot of people think gold's an investment because the price can go up or down. What's happening is that um, it's not an investment. It's a sterile asset. It can't generate any cash flow. When the price of gold goes up or down, it's relative to the purchasing power of the currency in which you're pricing that gold. So uh, the fact that you can still buy the same amount of crude oil today that you did 70 years ago shows that it's not an investment. Gold didn't increase your wealth. It preserved purchasing power, which, again, is another key function of money. So we would do well then in our own minds if, if, not, uh, if the government doesn't go along with it to really sort of measure things in terms of grams of gold or ounces of gold, I guess, is what you're telling me. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, when you look at a portfolio, you talk about owning stocks and cash. Uh-huh. Well, it, a mining companies would go in the stock investment part of the portfolio. Sure, sure. But gold goes in the cash component, your, your liquidity, uh, you know, what you need for your everyday uh, liquidity purposes. So you compare gold to uh, the other alternatives for liquidity in the world, you know, the U.S. dollar, the Swiss franc, uh, British pound, and cryptocurrencies, and you'll see that gold has done very, very well compared to other currencies. Well, it certainly has, uh, even against the dollar, though we've had, of course, from 2011 until about 2015, it wasn't a very happy ride for us, but it uh, would have been a good time to be accumulating gold, I suppose. I not, I suppose, I know it was. Uh, okay, well, let's go on to the next myth. Gold doesn't pay interest. Oh, this is one I've had thrown at me when I was on television one time. Uh, gold doesn't pay interest. Well, in fact, I know that there are ways that you can turn your gold into interest if you so choose to do that. But comment on that one, if you would, James. Yeah, um, what does pay interest these days, actually? Yeah, well, yeah that's exactly London, right. <laughs> in, in Europe, you've got negative interest. Um, right. th- th- this is uh, another myth because... 
what interest means is if, if you're lending your dollars or if you're depositing your dollars in a bank, you're earning interest because you're taking risk. You're taking the risk that whoever's borrowing those dollars or whichever bank you have those dollars deposited are going to return those dollars to you in the future when you want them. You can mm-hmm. do the same thing with gold. You can lend it and you can earn interest. But mm-hmm. if you don't, you just have a tangible asset. And I go back to the first point, which is that it's money you own. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, we know that the value of even almighty dollar evaporates over over time and its purchasing power in a big way, a bigger way than the government measures, I think. But that's another story. Myth number three, gold is expensive to store and insure. How much do you have to pay to store gold at gold money, for example? Well, it's 12 basis points per annum, uh, Uh, which is actually less than most people pay for checking account fees. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so... Uh, but so gold is expensive to store, and that's not all that expensive, is what you're telling me. At least at gold money, it might be more expensive in some other places. It's not that expensive to store uh, in gold money. And the other thing in gold money is that you get insurance and you get auditing. You know, there are economies oh. of scale that can come from storage uh, that are important to you know, people who own gold because the sure. basic thing you want to know is that your gold is safe. And the alternative is if you don't have it stored professionally, you store it yourself. And when you store and it I yourself, sh- you know, insurance can be expensive yeah. or you run the risk of it being stolen. Yeah, and I should mention that gold. when you put your money at gold money, it's allocated. It's allocated gold, yeah, right? So, yeah, so that's right. Not- the, basic premise of, the basic premise on which gold money is built, Jay, is that for every... A uh, fraction of, a, a, of a, an ounce of gold for every gram of gold that a uh, customer uh, owns, there's a, a weight of gold in the vault where the customer expects that gold to be stored. That's the basic premise of gold money, and that's the, the key thing that's uh, re- uh, verified by independent third-party auditing. Okay, myth number four, gold has no intrinsic value. Well, I think you've already addressed that, perhaps, but maybe you another comment or two. Yeah, you know... Value is in the eye of the beholder. You know, one man's treasure is another man's junk. Some people may not see gold as being useful, uh, but, uh, you know, to me, gold is very, very useful. And I think the proof of that is the fact that, you know, gold is trading at around $1,500 an ounce. If it wasn't useful, it wouldn't have value. And if it didn't have value, it wouldn't have a, uh, a price because nobody would exchange it for fiat currency. So, so I think we can yeah. just uh, do away with that myth as well. Yeah, I mean, maybe they would like it not to have any value. I think somebody during the Johnson administration suggested that gold shouldn't be any more expensive than copper or something like that. But I would suspect that if it was, if gold was that cheap, it would find its way into various industrial uses as well. But anyway, people really store gold as money, as you say, whether they think about it or not. Uh, Myth number five, gold has no real use beyond looking pretty. Well, it has value of money. We know that. But it does have some industrial yeah. values as well, I think. It, yeah, but the industrial value is inconsequential. Uh, uh-huh. And that's one of the differences between gold and silver. Silver has a potentially big industrial use, so you have two different demands for silver that can impact its price. But gold, basically, it's stored because it's a monetary asset. It's accumulated above ground, which sort of brings out another point, that, a point that's important to consider, that you know, why is all of this gold stored you know, once it's mined? And why does it continue to have value? It has value yeah. because it's of its usefulness. It's usefulness in economic calculation, being money you own, and all the other things we have. So, you know, gold very much is still money. 
James, you mentioned a little earlier that we've had a history in the United States and other countries as well of having gold confiscated. Uh, that might still be a concern, I would, I would imagine, given the chaos that's, uh, that's heading our way. But what about silver as an industrial metal? Might there be some safety in diversifying and owning silver and not just gold? And silver, yeah. a lot of people point out historically, is way cheap, cheaper than it has historically been relative to gold. So do you see silver, are you a bit more bullish on silver than gold at this time? Yeah, I am, Jay. And, you know, I think silver is probably the cheapest asset on the planet at the moment. It's so undervalued. But, you know, as is so important in everything when it comes to um, money and investing, you know, timing is all important. The important thing is that I think we're, uh, we're starting to see a nice, uh, we're at the beginning of an uptrend in the silver price. And I think that uptrend will continue. Uh, the other thing that's significant is the ratio between gold uh, and silver, if you divide the, the price of the two, it takes about uh, 86 ounces of silver to equal one ounce of gold uh-huh. in terms of dollar value. That's historically very, very high, which means that silver is very cheap relative to gold. So I would expect that ratio to fall. If, for example, in 2011, that ratio was 30 ounces of silver to one ounce of mm-hmm. gold. So mm-hmm. as the precious metals move higher from here, in dollar terms, silver is likely to outperform. But there's a risk to silver that you don't have with gold. It's that industrial component, which is a big thing of silver. So you get a lot mm-hmm. more volatility. And the, the way I like to describe it, owning uh, gold is like flying in a 747. Owning silver is like flying in an F-15. Um, okay. They're different. And silver's not for everybody, but if you're prepared to take that volatility and the extra risk, it's the cheaper of the assets right at the moment. Yeah, well, speaking of volatility, myth number six, gold is volatile, and certainly we saw today it get hit real hard. I mean, I woke up this morning in Europe and Asia, was up, I think, 10 bucks or so, and by the time Mr. Trump did a tweet or talked about relaxing trade tensions with China, the equity market was up 400 points, and, and gold just got absolutely decimated, slammed. So there is short-term volatility in gold, but I heard you say a little while ago that gold holds its value uh, since the Roman days. Yep, that's exactly right. Don't be disturbed by the short-term noise is what I call it. You know, focus on where the value is, focus on where the safety is, and focus on diversifying your portfolio so that you know that come what may in this uncertain world in which we live, because nobody can predict the future, that, you know, you've you've got all of the possible uh, alternatives of safety covered. And time has shown throughout history that uh, owning some gold in your portfolio Physical gold here I'm talking about, not right. paper representations of gold, but physical gold. Owning some of that in your portfolio uh, makes good sense. Uh, it certainly does. Well, one final myth here, the uh, myth number eight, I guess, it's uh, gold is a greater fool investment. Well, we've seen plenty of greater fool investments, but I don't know. I, I can't see that, but what do people argue that it, gold is a greater fool investment? Well, I think the argument is is that uh, you're waiting for somebody to come along and buy it at the same price or a higher price at which you bought it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's not the point. It's not an investment. It's a it's money, and it's money that you own. It's not an investment because it's just a sterile asset that doesn't generate cash flow. If the gold price goes up, it's because the purchasing power of the currency goes down, or a bank failed, or there's a geopolitical event, or any one of the you know dozens and dozens of things that can cause the price of gold to go up or go down. Uh, so you know, again, don't focus on the short-term noise. Focus on your portfolio. 
get your portfolio balanced and prepared for an uncertain future. And again, you know, one of the best ways to do that is to own some physical gold. You know, the rule of thumb is to have, you know, 5 to 10% of your portfolio in physical gold. If you're a little bit older, you don't want to take as many risks, so therefore you should have a higher percentage mm-hmm. of liquidity, which means have a higher percentage of gold in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'd say as a, at a bare minimum, that 5 to 10% rule of thumb is, is a good one to follow. All right, James, with just a, perhaps a quick comment on the dollar. Well, maybe not. I, okay, 30 seconds. Uh, does the dollar, um, are the dollar's days numbered as the world's reserve currency? Yeah, I think um, there's so many things that are conspiring to remove the dollar from that throne that it's just a matter of time uh, before it falls. Uh, it may remain strong for a while longer, but ultimately, its purchasing power is going to continue to be eroded by central bank actions. Well, it certainly has been, uh, ever since 1971 especially. James, thank you so much for your time. Always a pleasure having you with us. And folks, uh, go to goldmoney.com and the uh, Gold Money Insights, uh, in particular, to read what James has to say, Alistair McLeod and other contributors there. Thank you so much, James, for being with us. Well, folks, that is all the time we have this week. Next week, my main guest will be Frank Holmes of U.S. Uh, Global Investors, Eric Coffin of the Metals Investor Forum, and also I expect Michael Oliver to be with us once again. Until next week, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 